why are you shaking your head? You don't act like you're out there. Do you have her gift yet? Or, oh, oh, sure, yeah, right. Um, Craig Wagner preached a couple weeks ago. Didn't he do an awesome job? I mean, he did an awesome job. But if you were here, you'll know that he gave out money when he preached. All right? So, anyway. Um, uh, so, I was trying to find the perfect gift for my wife. And it was after work, it was late, it was Christmas Eve, it was cold, you know, it was drizzling and starting a little freezing rain coming down. Um, I was coming back from my office downtown, I had my, my dress shoes on, my dress pants, a tie, you know, and it was getting late, it was dark, and it was getting late, and it was Christmas Eve, and I'm thinking, I've got to get this gift, and I've got to get home, because I need to act like I've had this gift for a long time, so that in the morning, you know, I just give the gift, and it's like everything's cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm down on the Del Mar Loop, right out here. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but on Christmas Eve, stores tend to close a little bit, you know, early. And so I'm literally, you know, walking up down the loop from store to store, and everything's closed. Everywhere I went was closed. So I'm I'm starting to panic a little bit, right? So I start kind of trotting down the the Delmar Loop, you know, like, I'll, I'll find something real quick. Avalon Exchange, nope, closed. You know, each store that I went to closed. And I start getting a little panic because I, I really need to find this gift. i got to get it now. So now I, I turn it into a full-on sprint down the Del Mar Loop in my dress clothes, you know. And I'm running, and totally unexpectedly, I didn't see it. There's a patch of ice on the sidewalk. True story. I hit the, I hit the, side, I hit the ice, you know, full speed. Legs go out. Boom. I land on my rear. I go sliding down the sidewalk. In my dress clothes, and I don't know if you remember this, if, you, if you've been on the loop for a while, um, they have these nice little metal trash cans now, but they used to have these big cement round trash containers. You remember those? They're like, they're like, they're like boulders, and they've got little prickly gravel pieces sticking out from them. And so I'm flying, I'm like flying down, sliding down the loop, wham, I hit one of these huge things at full speed. Now my forehead is cut, blood starts coming down, my face my pants are ripped, my hands are scraped, I get up and I'm like, you know, I've got to find this gift, you know, and I'm like running now, the taste of blood in my mouth, I run up to, there's a hair salon right up the street, right up this way, and I'm like, okay, that, the light's on, I'm like, that, that'll be good, I'll get her a gift card to a hair salon, she can get her hair, so I go and I grab the door, the handle, and I pull it, it's locked, and I look in and there's a stylist in there, and she's like counting the money in the register and she's like looking at me like, what is going on? So I see her like close the register and reach for the phone, you know, and I'm, I actually get money out of my wallet because I wanted to say, I want to buy a gift card. I'm like waving the money. I want to buy, ah, you know. <laughs> Finally, I'm like, all right, this isn't going to work. You know, she's dialing nine, <laughs> one. So, so I go back to my, my, my car. I'm humiliated. And I think, all right, here's what I'm going to do. And I, and, I, and I got a little card out that night at home. It was, a, it was actually a thank you card that I had. So it's, but I wrote, Dear Rebecca, this card is good for one shopping trip wherever you want to go, $50 or less, um, so that you can pick out the perfect gift for yourself. Um, and she was gracious and merciful enough to accept that card, you know, as if it was a good gift. But I, I finally gave up trying to find the perfect gift. And today, as we think about Christmas, uh, really, 
Christmas is not actually about finding the perfect gift. Um, you know, try to find a nice gift. But it's not about finding the perfect gift. It's not about receiving the perfect gift from somebody else. Christmas is about God sending the perfect gift to humanity, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Christmas is about the perfect gift that the prophet Isaiah proclaimed 700 years before Jesus was born when he said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You say, why is Jesus the perfect gift? It's because in this scripture we see that he satisfies the deepest needs and the deepest desires of the human heart. When we need guidance, he's a wonderful counselor. When we need love, he's an everlasting father. When we need comfort, he is the prince of peace. And today we're going to talk about when we need power to break through the things in our life that we can't seem to break through on our own. When we need power to overcome insurmountable obstacles in our path. When we need power to break that habit or that stronghold in our life that we just can't get through. When we need power to get unstuck from the area of life that just seems to be stuck. That's when we need the mighty God in our life. When we need a breakthrough. Now I can tell you there are parts of my life where I need a breakthrough. I pray every week as, a, as you know, we're five-year-old church, and, and I pray every, every week, if not every day, God, I want to break through in my ability as a pastor and a preacher. I want to be, I, I be all that you want me to be. I want to be all that I can be as a pastor and a preacher. I want to break through in my ability to communicate your word in a way that transforms people's hearts and they experience you in real life-giving ways. I want to break through in that. I want to break through personally in my physical fitness area, right? Because I'm one of these guys, I'll eat right and go to the gym, you know, for a while. And then I'll not eat right and not go to the gym for a while. And I want to I want to just, I want to be consistent. That's a little area in my own personal life I want to break through in. I want to break through for our church. I want us to be a church where we break through to where we are bringing the life-giving message of Jesus in an, in an unbelievably powerful way to all of St. Louis. I want to see us reaching people who have not been reached with the message of Jesus and their life being transformed by his love, his grace, and his mercy in a way that we, we, have never even, we could never even imagine. I want to see us become that as a church. I want to see us not only grow this way, but I want to see us grow this way. I want to see us as a congregation grow in our spiritual depth and our spiritual uh, relationship with God so that the things that keep us back and hold us back from becoming who he wants us to be, those things are broken off of our lives and we have a breakthrough and we experience him in a powerful way in our life. And so I would ask you this, where is the breakthrough that you need in your life? What area of your life do you need a breakthrough in? What kind of a breakthrough do you need? Maybe for you it's a, it's a financial breakthrough and your family is you're struggling, you know, maybe you're in debt, you're, you know, month to month, you're, you're paycheck to paycheck, and you go, I need a financial breakthrough. Or maybe for you, it's in a relationship between you and your loved one, 
your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your child or your parent and you're saying you know we've got this conflict and we can't resolve it and we don't know how to fix it and we actually i need a breakthrough in that area of my life maybe for some of you it's a, a breakthrough in your sense of purpose you don't you can't really get a hold of why you're here and why you're on the planet and what you you know and you need a breakthrough for an understanding of why you're really here and what it's all about or you need a breakthrough in your career. You've been struggling, 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 and you can't get through and you need a breakthrough. Or maybe today it's something that's holding you back. It's a personal habit or a stronghold or an area of, of sin in your life that you just, it, just keeps, it just keeps trapping you. And every time you try to shake it, you can't shake it. And maybe you do okay for a while and then you mess up and you, you go, I just need a breakthrough in that area. How many of you would agree with me today or admit with me today that you could use a breakthrough at some point in some area of your life. Somewhere in your life, you can use a breakthrough. If that's you, then you are in the right place at the right time because as we look at Jesus, the mighty God, we see a God who wants you to experience a breakthrough in your life and who has the power to bring that breakthrough to you in your life. We're going to look at uh, a scripture, a story um, in John chapter 5 about a man who desperately, desperately needed a breakthrough. Uh, And I love how one preacher put it. I listened to his, was inspired by his sermon on this topic. And he said that a breakthrough is what happens when God is working for you, to you, in you, and through you. And some of us need that kind of a breakthrough, a transformative, real-life breakthrough in our lives today. In your sermon notes, I left a little spot where you can write down what the breakthrough is that you need or what the area of your life is where you need a breakthrough. And if you don't want your neighbor to glance over and see what kind of breakthrough you need, uh, you can write it in code. You can leave out the vowels. A lot of ways you can hide this, you know. Um, but, But take some time today and think about what is the area of my life or where is the area in my life that I need a breakthrough. So here's the the story. Uh, It says in John 5 that Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, the demoralized, the depressed, the anxious, the angry, the sick, the frustrated, the ticked off, who am I missing? Have I got, have I got everybody? Have we got, okay, we're all in there. Good. Um, l- let me pause here. This word Bethesda, it's an interesting word. It has two meanings. And the two meanings are the exact opposite of each other. Bethesda can mean house of mercy and grace. Or Bethesda can mean house of shame and dishonor. So there's, imagine this pool in Jerusalem and all of these people who are sick and paralyzed and, and the lame and the blind and the halt are all around this pool. And they're all waiting for something to happen. They're all waiting for God to intervene. And in the first century when somebody was sick, a lot of times there would not only be attached, the physical, attached to it the physical challenges, but there would also be a sort of stigma attached to a person who was sick as if their sickness was caused by a, a spiritual or a moral failure. And so these people were not only physically ill, but they were also ashamed. 
and disgraced and ostracized from the community. Today I would say this. I would say, first of all, that every single one of us in here, even if we don't have a visible physical disability that others can look at and go, oh yeah, I see what your problem, each one of us has some disabilities in our heart, a moral or a spiritual, emotional weakness or brokenness in our life that needs to be healed. And maybe nobody can see it because we're good at covering it with you know, personality or money or status or whatever. But we all know it's there and you know it's there. I would say this, this place of dishonor or shame in your heart can become a home of mercy and grace if you'll allow Jesus to enter into that place of hurt and brokenness. And so uh, the scripture says, and, and the, next, the next scripture actually that I'm going to show you uh, is, might not be in your Bible, depending on your translation. It's very interesting. If you have an NIV Bible, uh, the, the next verse that I'm about to read will be a footnote at the bottom of your Bible. If you have a King James or a New King James, it will be in the body of the text. And if you have different translations, you'll see it in different places. And the reason that is is because uh, it, this next scripture I'm going to read wasn't in any of the earliest manuscripts. Uh, most scholars think that it was written by a scribe in the margin of the text. And then later scribes that copied and copied and copied the manuscript thought that it was supposed to be located in the body of the text, and so they just incorporated it in there. But I'm going to read it to you because it gives you incredibly helpful context to understand why all of these sick people were lying around this pool. Okay, listen to this. It says, and so these, these people, they were waiting for the moving of the waters. They were waiting for the pool of the water to be moved. And then it says, from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool, after each such disturbance, would be cured of whatever disease they had. In other words, every single person lying around this, this pool with a disability was waiting for a change in their circumstances. They were waiting for their external circumstances to change. They were waiting for an angel to come from heaven, stir the water, and if they could get into the pool fast enough, they would be healed. I mean, this is like a long shot, right? Especially if you're paralyzed or you're blind and you, how do you know that the angel is stirring the water, right? I mean, this is, these are folks that are waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for their external circumstances to be changed. It says there was one there who had been an invalid for 38 years. This guy was a lost cause. 38 years he had been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for a breakthrough in his life. He was waiting for God to send an angel to come and stir the waters and maybe he would be able to get into the waters and maybe he would be healed. But I think deep down in his heart, he really didn't expect it. If you've been waiting for 38 years for something to change in your life and it hasn't changed, there's a temptation to give it up. There's a temptation to go, well, I don't think this is going to happen. But there's something about Jesus that I love. Listen to what happens. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him what should have been a really obvious question. Jesus said, do you want to get well? Two things I love about this moment. Number one, Jesus seems to love lost causes. He goes to the guy who's been lying there for 38 years. He goes to the guy who says, 
There's no chance that my life is going to change. I've been hanging around here. Life expectancy in first century Jerusalem was 35 years. This guy was already past, I mean, he's about to die. He's about, and he's, I mean, his whole life had passed him by. There was no chance. Jesus says, that's the guy that I want to go to. I want to go to the person who has the problem that is intractable, that is impossible, that's insurmountable, and I want to go explore that problem because that's a mighty God problem, and I'm a mighty God, and I want to get into that problem today. If, if, if I'm an NFL football player, I don't want to play peewee flag football at Flynn Park Elementary School, right? I want to take on the 10-1 and Dallas Cowboys because that's a mighty football player problem, right? If I'm a world-class fighter, I don't want to take on a judo white belt. I want to go get Floyd Mayweather or I want to get Conor McGregor and I want to get after it because that's a mighty fighter kind of problem, right? Jesus says, look, there's a problem. This is a mighty God kind of problem and I want to go get after that problem. The second thing I love about this moment in Jesus' ministry is notice what he says. He says to the man, do you want to get well? You've been waiting your whole life for your external circumstances to change. I'm here with the ability to change everything in one moment. So do you really want to get well? Do you really want to be transformed? Do you really want to be changed? Because sometimes a breakthrough in our circumstances requires a breakthrough in our soul. Sometimes we are waiting for God to come and change the external circumstances in our life. God, fix my finances. God, fix my relationship. God, fix this habit that I'm struggling with. God, fix this problem in the world. God, go fix, you know, war and disease and genocide and racism and injustice. God, could you just go fix that? And Jesus is coming and saying, look, I want to know something. Do you want this transformation to happen inside of you? Because that can happen, but you need to know that it's gotta be in, it's, there's got to be a change in you. I can change your externals, but if I change your externals and I don't change you, you're going to end up back in the externals that, you, that I saved you from. If I get you out of debt, but you haven't learned how to steward your money, you're going to be back in debt. Jesus is saying, I want to transform you from the inside out. I want to change you. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Do I want to feel better or do I want to get well? Two different things. I think as followers of Jesus, sometimes we may go and hang around church or get involved or do things, you know, get involved in this program or that program so that we feel better. But that's a big difference from getting well. I joined a gym a few months ago. And uh, a lot of the people at the gym where I joined, you know, there are some regulars. And you look at them, and they look like regulars. You know, you look at them like, man, this, these, these people are fit. Like, they come here a lot. And so there, there was a guy that I met a couple, probably a month ago. And um, he looked like a regular, but not at the gym. He looked like a regular at Sweetie Pies. And, and you know, like, which I agree with. Like, I would much reg- re- rather be a, a regular there. And so I thought, okay, this guy is just like diving in and just starting to get, you know, his fitness going and whatever. So I'm, I'm like inspired, you know, I'm encouraged by him. I go, hey, man, so how long have you been a member here? And I'm thinking he's going to say a month. He goes, oh, I've been a member here for like two years. 
I go, oh, really? He goes, yeah. He says, um, but I don't really like this location. I like the Manchester location. And I go, oh, really? And I'm thinking maybe they have better trainers. Maybe they have better weights. Maybe they have better programs, better classes. I go, so what's going on at the Manchester location? He goes, man, they have the best peanut butter smoothies at the Manchester location. They got a cafe, and it's just amazing. Like, like he went on and on about these incredible peanut butter smoothies at the Manchester Club Fitness, which I'm going to check out at some point. Um, but the thing is, he wanted to feel better. He didn't want to get well. He wanted to be at the gym, read the paper, enjoy the activity, drink some smoothies, have a good time, but he actually didn't want to change. Sometimes I think in our Christian life, we can get into a, a routine and we say, God, you know, I'm going to come, I'm going to do my thing, I'm going to show up, but I'm not really here to be transformed. I'm not really here to be changed. Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well? The man does not answer the question. Here's what the man says. Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, somebody else goes down ahead of me. Notice what he does. He doesn't say, yes, I want to get well. He says, here's all the reasons that I'm still sick. He says, here's why I'm still sick. Other people are in my way. My, my situation is too complicated. Nobody's here to help me. And Jesus is saying, I didn't ask you about why you're still sick. I asked you, do you want to get well? Today, Jesus is saying, look, by the power of the mighty God, I am asking you, do you want to get well? Do you want to be transformed? Do you really want to let go of those things that are holding you back? Do you really want to be changed? Do I really want to open my life and allow God and allow myself to be so dependent upon him that his words come out of me as a pastor? Do I, do I really, do I want to feel better or do I want to get well? Sometimes rather than try to get well, we comfort ourselves by explaining our sickness. This is the way, this is why I am the way I am. This is how come this is happening. This is the reason that life is the way it is. And sometimes we use those justifications and explanations to anesthetize ourselves from the pain of the condition that we're in. If you've ever known anybody in hospice care, you know that at a certain point, they stop trying to, to heal the person. They stop trying to find a breakthrough, and they just start to comfort the person in their pain. They anesthetize the person in their pain. And sometimes I wonder, as followers of Jesus, do we ever get to that point where we're actually not seeking the change anymore? We're just seeking the comfort. I, I have a two-year-old, and if any of you have a two-year-old, and you, or ever have had, and you know how crazy it can be to try to get that two-year-old into a car seat when the child does not want to be buckled into a car seat. So my two-year-old does not like to be constrained in his car seat. He does not like to be under the bondage of a car seat. Okay, follow me. Just, just track with me on this one, all right? He doesn't like to be that. He doesn't like for that to happen. And so when I try to buckle him in, he bucks and screams and shouts and curses in his own two-year-old language, and spits, and his eyes start to spin. It's just crazy. So when I had my first child, I was a rookie. And I thought, I am going to get this child in this car seat. 
I'm going to overpower him and get him in this car. And so I would like try to push him and he would be bucking and just like his back would be bowed like this. And, and I would try to get him in. And I actually remember one time, I, again, on the Delmar Loop, everything that happens to me happens on the Delmar Loop. I was trying to get him into the car seat, couldn't get him in, he's screaming, face red, veins popping out. And I finally just like, I can't, I, I can't do it. And like, I just shut the door. I shut the door of the car and I leaned against the door. And I was just like, blood pressure, come down, Lord. Help me, Lord Jesus. And actually some people came by um, that knew me. And they're like, oh, hey, Brent, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, hey, how are you guys? And my son is like having demonic spasms inside. <laughs> and I was like, oh, things are good. And how are you guys? And everything's good. So anyway, um, but now I have my fourth child. And so I no longer try to force the child into his car seat because I've learned something. And what I've learned is that my child does not mind being constrained as long as he is entertained. I get out my phone. I click on a YouTube video. It doesn't even matter what it is. He will just melt into that car seat just like, oh, yeah. I can buckle him up because he does not mind being constrained as long as he's entertained. Sometimes I wonder, maybe we don't mind being constrained as long as we are entertained. We don't mind being disabled as long as we are distracted. From a spiritual perspective, sometimes we don't mind being paralyzed as long as we are anesthetized. And so we comfort ourselves with justifications and reasons and excuses. And Jesus is saying, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? Do you want a breakthrough? Do you want a change? What's ironic about this moment is that this guy is explaining to Jesus why he can't be healed to the one person who has the power to instantly change his life. He's saying, I cannot get into the pool of water. And Jesus is thinking, I'm the fountain of life out of whom flow rivers of living water. I can change you today. It's like when Mary and Martha came to Jesus and they said, if you had been there when we called you, when our brother was just sick, you could have healed him. And Jesus is saying, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the mighty God who holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I'm capable of transforming your life right here, right now. Do you want to be healed? And so Jesus is listening to this man explain too many people get in front of me, nobody to help me, complicated situation. And Jesus blasts through all of that. And Jesus says something that must have sounded so bizarre and startling and outrageous to him. And maybe it does to you today. Here's what Jesus said. He said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. No stirring of the water, no angel coming down. I'm telling you right now, the power of Almighty God is right here. Get up and start walking it out. Get up and take a step right here, right now. And the scripture says, and at that moment, the man was cured. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to stir the water. I'm going to stir your faith. I'm not trying to stir the pool. I'm trying to stir your soul. I'm the mighty God with the power to change you and transform you right here, right now. So I want you to get up and start taking a step. And the scripture says, he picked up his mat and walked. And on that day, Bethesda, the house of 
shame and dishonor became a house of mercy and grace for this man because he allowed Jesus, the mighty God, to interact in his life and to intervene in his life in the area where he most desperately needed it. Today, I believe that God is saying through his text that he's not here just to change your external circumstances. The breakthrough that he wants you to have is a breakthrough in your heart. He wants to change you from the inside out. He doesn't want to just stir your pool. He wants rivers of living water to flow out of you. And if we are followers of Jesus, we know that his spirit dwells within us. He is among us and in our midst, even now, even in this moment. And the power of the Holy Spirit is within us. And it's the same power that raised him from the dead. And it's available to us if we will simply open our hearts and we will accept it. The scripture says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It says, for if I am with you, who can be against you? It says, you are more than conquerors through him who loves you. So it's one thing for Jesus to be the mighty God. It's another thing for him to be your mighty God. For you to say, God, in this area where I most desperately need a breakthrough, I turn control over to you. In my relationship, Lord, I don't, I'm not asking you to change my relationship. I'm not asking you to change her or him. I'm asking you to transform me. I'm asking you to transform my heart. In my financial situation, I'm not asking for you to give me the winning lottery ticket. I'm asking for you to transform my understanding of what it means to be a person uh, who creates margin in life and who has generosity in life and who sees finances differently than the way I've been seeing them. It's, it's, it's asking God to come into that area of your life and saying, I'm not asking you to take away the, the, the habit or the, the temptation that I'm faced with. I'm asking you to empower me through your strength to overcome it. I'm asking you to change me from the inside out. So the question is, and I put this in your sermon notes, what's the step that Jesus is calling you to take? Because he's saying, I'm right here, I'm right with you, I'm right with you right now. Get up and take a step. Get up and start walking out in the area of your breakthrough. You don't have to wait for me to come and stir the water. I want you to get up and start walking right here and right now. I want to close with this. What would it look like if God became the mighty God in your life, in every area of your life? Comprehensive rule of God in your life. What if he became the Lord over every single area where you struggle and where you're stuck and where you need a breakthrough? What would that look like? What would it look like for us as a congregation if collectively together we said, you know what, we're going we're going to just open up our hearts and we're going to stop trying to do it our own way and stop waiting for Jesus to come and, or a, an angel to come and change our external circumstances. We're actually just going to trust him and we're going to get up and we're going to start walking out what he wants us to walk out and we're going to obey him in every area of our life. We're going to read his scripture. I saw Penelope reading the, the, the Bible up here during their little thing. I mean, I don't know if she was reading it or just looking at the words, but... Sometimes we just need to open up his word and spend some time and, and, and ask him what he wants us to do and do what he says to get up and start walking it out. We don't, need a, we don't need an angel to come and change the external circumstances. We just need to open up our hearts and trust him and get up 
and start walking it out. Today, for some of you that might be making a commitment to Jesus, you haven't done that, and you, you want to, you feel like you need to, you haven't done it, and this might be your day to do that. Where in your heart you go, all right, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my heart. We have a connection card. If you want to do that, let us know. We'll send you a little book. Somebody will come and, or not come and talk to you, but they'll call you or email you or whatever. And, you know, you can start walking it out. You can start walking it out in the area where you need help. If you need prayer, we've got people who will pray with you. You can put it on a prayer request. If you want to make a commitment and start to follow Jesus in the context of our spiritual family, our spiritual community, we're going to do that today. We've got our 101 session right after uh, church today out in the lobby, and maybe that's the step that you need to take. Maybe the step is you got to just today, this afternoon, take your spouse by the hand and start praying, saying, God, we don't know how to fix the problem that we've got between us, but we're going to entrust you with our relationship. Because you're the mighty God and you can break through any barriers that we've built up between us. And we trust you in that. Whatever it is, whatever area of your life, maybe it means going out and picking up one of the angel tree, um, the, the kids. We're supporting 75 children this year with angel tree. There are people out in the lobby that are ready to help you with that. But maybe, maybe that's what it is. You know, you start to go, all right, I want to reimagine what it looks like uh, in terms of my finances. And, and I want to be a person who's generous and, and, and not hoarding. And so maybe I'm going to pick up one of these things and start, you know, taking care of somebody. Start looking after somebody. Let, let Jesus change inside of me. Or maybe it's supporting the works that we support. Getting involved in supporting the ministry here. And, and all the nonprofits that we... Whatever it is. You know what it is. I don't know what it is for you. You know what it is. Get up and walk. Get up and take the step. Because it's not our job at Christmas... To give the perfect gift. It's not our job to be the perfect gift. It is our job to accept the perfect gift that God gave to us. Jesus, the mighty God, who wants us to experience the breakthrough where we need it the most. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for, for Jesus who came as a child, surprising the world to bring us the power of God in our life so that we could be changed, that we could be transformed, that we don't have to be stuck, we don't have to live paralyzed, broken lives, but like the man at the pool of Bethesda, we can get up and walk. God, I pray for every single person here today that they would experience a, a greater sense of your love and mercy and grace than they ever have before, and that area of their life where they experience shame and dishonor would become an area where they experience mercy and grace. Where instead of waiting for the external circumstances of their life to change, they would know that the power of the Holy Spirit is within them and they can just get up and start walking out the change day by day, step by step, relying upon you, supported by others. And when they stumble, they can get back up and we're all right here with them. Father, I pray God today that every single one of us would experience a powerful breakthrough mighty God moment in our life this year, this Christmas, and we would turn our lives over to you and experience you in a fresh, brand new, powerful way. And it would bring glory and it would bring honor and it would bring praise to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close, uh, I want to invite you to worship with us. Music team is going to come up.
worship with us in a few different ways. One way that we worship is through prayer. If you've got a thing in your heart or in your life that you want us to be praying for you with, you, about, fill it out on your connection card. Let us know. And you can put it in one of these baskets. We'll be praying for you during the week uh, and praying with you. Um, another way that we worship, and this is for those of you that call this your church home. If you're a guest here, this part's not for you. But if this is your church home, then join us through worship in your generosity and in your giving. Uh, this is the way that we support InterVarsity. This is the way that we support all of the other nonprofit agencies that we support. And we support the work of this ministry. Um, staffing and operations and all of the things that we do here. Uh, we just want to encourage you to get involved with that if you're not involved. This is, this is truly the most generous group of people I have ever known in my whole life. Uh, and so I praise God and I thank God for you. Uh, if you haven't gotten involved, get involved in that aspect of worship. It will actually transform your life and change your life for the better, I promise you. Uh, and then the third way that we worship is we take the bread, we dip it in the cup, and we eat it. And what we do, we signify. When we do that, the reason we do that is we're signifying that we are thankful and that we're, we're remembering the sacrifice, the great perfect gift that Jesus gave on our behalf when he stretched out his arms and died for us and rose again and gave us access to God the Father through his death, burial, and resurrection. And so we celebrate that and we remember that by taking the bread and the cup. And if you're not prepared to worship in any of those ways today, then just open your mouth, open your heart, and sing with us as we close out this service. Let's all stand together. Let's all find a way to worship. Amen. Forever.